Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Owatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who can diagnose any disease but has a terrible drug problem. <laughs> I am the Adam Glass in... Ah, yeah, I'm House. Talked about about this. Sometimes, when I open up YouTube, uh, I really have no interest, and, and everyone <laughs> does this now. They're on, they're on Facebook, they're on Instagram... Uh, those reels, those shorts, whatever yeah. the the thing calls them. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, if I click on one of those, and usually it's by accident, right? I will just watch them for like a half hour. <laughs> without, That's interesting. Without you don't you with, don't run away in terror. That's the way I deal with them. Yeah. Is I immediately try to withdraw yeah. as fast as possible. Like, get me the have, fuck out of here. <laughs> I have no interest in them, but apparently I am the the audience they are designed for because. <laughs> I would just, <laughs> just like get sucked out a rabbit hole. Yeah. You can't stop. Uh, just like drooling a little bit. But, but the the YouTube iteration of them for some reason, like most of it's from stuff I follow on YouTube and mo- uh, you know, little clips from Taskmaster. See, that's nice from, because none uh, of it's from stuff from, I follow on YouTube. Yeah, little clips from Game Changers. Um, great stuff. But then every fifth one or so on <laughs> on YouTube is Gregory House. <laughs> from the television show House angrily diagnosing Like, someone. how do they compress... And, and, like, just those sections of the show, yeah, too. Yeah, because they're short, right? Well, I, yeah. I, well we, we talked about this because I just get... I get nothing but Columbo doing either... Yeah. <laughs> wait, well, one more thing. See, I, or... I would love that. Or, I would love uh, that. or him getting... I want that. But, well, that's fun. <laughs> but the unfun yeah. one is you sometimes get Columbo giving the, like, explanation, the sort of, like, wrap-up oh, at the yeah. end. And you're like, well, this is decontextualized and doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Right, right. I mean, I may have, I've probably seen that episode, but it doesn't change the fact that, like, it's not fun anymore. <laughs> Just seeing Leonard Nimoy react to being called out. <laughs> yeah, yes. Or, or, or Dick Van Dyke. Oh, the Dick Van Dyke one's so good. <laughs> Leonard Nimoy, Dick Van Dyke. Who was I watching the other day? I was watching the one with... Um, Oh fuck! Who is it? Uh, I just saw one where I was like, "Oh shit!" I forgot he was in this. Like it, it's it's great. I I love that show so much. It's so uh, it fills me with warm fuzzies. Pat, before we get into the movie this week, I do want to talk about our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Criterion. Over there for a dollar a month, you can help keep us going, help keep us steadily in the Sisyphean task for well, the rest well, of our know, natural though, lives. Well, you know, now we understand, based on the, the beauty of the internet, that that's not a bad thing. That's a Sigma Grindset mindset or whatever it's called. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're out here hustling. Yeah, uh, like Sisyphus wasn't being tortured. Sisyphus was giving a, given a task that gave his life purpose. Yeah. Probably. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, anyway. I mean, what I'm saying is this is the only reason I wake up in the morning. Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. It's just a dollar a month. You can get access to bonus content. Every month we do a non-Criterion film over there that our supporters get to vote on what we're going to watch from a list. Usually that I put together. Sometimes that supporters put together. And if a supporter suggests a movie or a list, we try to get them on. And we have a lot of great conversations with uh with people about uh, movies they really love. People that will never start their own podcast, so are happy to be on ours. I mean, I, I they might. And if you they, taunt them, they may they may be more likely to do it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we'll cut out that taunt then. Um, 
it's really fun to uh, talk to people about movies they love. It just is. So really enjoy doing that over there. Uh, thank you to our $1 supporters, but only in secret. Because to get thanked on air, you got to pay at least $5. Yes. Our $5 tier is for people who can afford it and want to help keep us going. We like to thank those $5 supporters on air. So thank you so much to our current $5 tier, Andrew Jarrett, Chris Otto, Stephen Goldmeyer, and Eric Coronado. A bit above that, we do something pretty dang special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard once a month and send off a personalized thank you note to our $10 and above supporters. And we also like to thank them on air. Thank you so much to our current $10 supporters, Adam Speakerman, Patrick Yalko, Tracy McGrath, Nina Bosnack, and Jason Westhaber. Yes, thank you. If you... If you want to see those postcards without committing to that $10 mark, you can head over to redbubble.com. Search for Lost in Criterion there. You can see our past postcards. You can buy them as postcards, as greeting cards, as stickers, uh, some of them as buttons. Shower curtains. We've talked about this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can do. If you see anything that Redbubble offers that you want to see one of these images on, let us know. We'll do it uh, within reason. I know, um, not not even within reason. Whatever you want, I'll do it. Right. I mean, I'm shooting. You, I'm shooting them at like fucking 25 megapixels now. Anyway, you can do whatever size point. you want at this point. Uh, honestly, I would argue you probably already have it by now. Uh, but if you, I think February's would be great for um, birthday cards. Um, oh yeah, shower yeah, curtain. Make a hell of a shower curtain. Bath towel. It would. I'd do it. Maybe Booty you shorts. don't want. Maybe you want to be left completely alone on the beach. <laughs> get a February bath towel. Yeah, yeah. Biblically accurate water bottle. Um, <laughs> yes, you want to be terrified, and and you know, I mean, I think it would keep ghosts away if you're being, if I'm being totally honest. I think oh, if you put that, definitely. so just hang that up a couple places in your house, you will be safe. They'll be like, we don't want to fuck with this guy. This person is dangerous <laughs> and scary. One hundred percent. Thank you so much to everyone who has bought anything from Redbubble, everyone who supported us on Patreon, and to you for listening. Just thank you all. Pat, this week, uh, we are watching a crazy movie. Uh, Yeah, it is. It is not, not, in fact, a film adaptation of the television series House. I was misinformed. I mean, Uh, we all were. I was really let down. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody Uh, diagnosed any illnesses in this entire movie certainly not certainly not uh <laughs> we're not i mean of, there's there are cantankerous people they're just dead right of the three movies i know of named house this is the first one um, <laughs> <laughs> there's so many there's so many unrelated yeah, movies I named know. house we talked about this um one of which is written by a guy named Fred Decker, one of which is written by a guy named Ted Decker, and Ted and Fred are also not related in the same way that the movies are not related. So It's amazing. <laughs> I don't know. The world's weird. But this one is neither of those. It is House from 1977. It is a Japanese uh, horror comedy avant-garde. So here's the thing. Weird thing. It's like when you read the description, I've never, I had never seen this movie before. Um, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's a very, it's an extremely well-known movie. Let's like, like, yeah. You know, even within Japan, less, I would possibly less, less well known. I always feel this way when we watch these kind of movies, maybe less well known in Japan than it is outside of Japan. But at this point, just because I feel like people don't pick up old movies as much. I don't, I don't know yeah, many people yeah, talking I think, about movies that much, but it might also be my bubble. Maybe, 
specifically. There's maybe an interesting reason to that. We'll get into it in a yeah. second, but please finish your. Oh no, I was just going to say like it, it's just, but it is it is well known, and uh, I don't yeah. think it fits into any of the categories it gets qualified as. Like <laughs> right, right, like right, no right. descrip no description of the movie does justice to what the movie actually is. Yeah. Right. So director Nobuhiko Obayashi uh, was doing commercial work. Uh, like like actual commercials uh, prior to this. This is in the 70s. It's in that time we've talked about previously where the the Japanese film industry basically tanked as everybody moved to television. Obayashi steps into this atmosphere in a time when, you know, even the great directors are working on television, uh, but everyone working in film or television at the time thinks commercials are below them. So, but commercials are also where all the money is and the people producing the commercials are pretty much given carte blanche. Yeah. So Obayashi, for a decade at this point, had been making commercials where no one really cared what he did. (laughs) And, and, you know, some of them are, are weird. Some of them are high concept and some of them are just, Charles Bronson shirtless on the back of a horse. I mean, let's so. let's be really clear. Okay, <laughs> things we need to go over right now. Number yeah. one, all Japanese commercials are still like this. <laughs> yeah, of course. Okay, they're all still like this. They all are still mostly just Charles Bronson on the back of a horse. Like, I mean, yeah. it's like, I mean, Boss Coffee ran with fucking. Uh, oh God, I'm blanking on his name. The the you know. I need a, a, a all point search of every outhouse, shit house, blah 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 house. And the, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, what's yes, his yes. name? Tommy Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, yeah. It has been in, you know, but like all com- like all commercials are still like this here. I think I and you know it's pretty widely true. I think of like commercials everywhere now at this point, right? Like all commercials are just yeah. fucking don't make any sense. Oh don't yeah, yeah. Sell yeah. the products they sell, or if they do, or they're just just blanket, just exactly what the thing is, and that's yeah. it. I don't. Eh. Yeah, but uh, but Obayashi's uh, Obayashi's commercials were, from what I can gather, pretty pretty on board with like the Boss Coffee stuff. Yeah, uh, I, I know, I, and nothing... maybe they were different back then, and maybe he was doing something revolutionary. But if he did, it worked because yeah. all commercials are like that now. Here, yeah. straight up, one hundred percent. The weird part is House House is not avant-garde in that manner. House is avant-garde like the Sponge Monkeys doing uh, a Quiznos sandwich ad. <laughs> right, right, right. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. In 2003. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just, what what's going on? Why does this exist? Um, but yeah. Uh, so he... <laughs> the background on this movie is so interesting because Toho, Toho agreed to make it because they wanted something. They wanted a homegrown Jaws, right? And and hired him to to make it. Basically, I mean, this is not Jaws, right? <laughs> but no, but but it, but it might be something better than Jaws. Uh, but they wanted, you know, Jaws. Jaws. In, they wanted a homegrown Jaws in the sense that. Uh, a relatively unknown director making something that really connected with young audiences. Right, that was, right, right. That was what we meant by Jaws. We weren't looking for a Jaws ripoff. Uh, I mean, first off, Toho could have could have yeah, I mean, made well, a so like, movie let's be like clear that here, without like, thinking it's, about it's it. It's interesting but. because Toho kind of, I think, to a certain extent, doesn't understand their own product either. Obviously, because they're they're right, going out right. of fashion like wildly fast, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Jaws is already 
the American version of Godzilla. Right. I mean, it's more horror and stuff, but you know what I mean? They already have been making movies where a thing hunts people or something to that effect yeah. or, like, something scary is happening that's sort of, like, unmanageable by the people present and, and they have to do something. Godzilla's not a perfect example, obviously. I'm sort of right, exaggerating. Right. But my point is, is, like, Jaws is not special for, like, what it is. Like, for, like, right. what it's doing. It, like... You know what I yeah. mean, right? Like, it's not the idea of an a, a, an out of control thing that kills people is not a wildly original concept. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I I think where Toho knows what they're doing is that that's not what they wanted. Out right, of right, right. Out right. of their version, it's just of sort of get, what's gets just, described in sort of like yeah. the the snippets yeah, of yeah. it, right? Where they're like, oh, they wanted yeah. jaws. It's like, no, yeah. they want when somebody you, who is when young. you say right, yeah, right. When you say Toho wanted jaws. In the wake of Jaws, you you get certain ideas that right. are not what is actually true. Right. Um. So, uh, so Obiashi steps in and <laughs> basically had his ten year old daughter write the movie, uh, which is very no. Very it's beautiful. I mean, that part is beautiful. Exactly. Like, let's be really yeah. clear. That part is is yeah. Especially when you get into the special feature. And she's like, well, I like. I thought this idea was this thing would happen to me sometimes because she's like yeah. eight years old or when like, they start or whatever. Yeah. And like, I yeah. always thought that was very scary. And like, yeah, it's just basically the things that scare a ten-year-old or an eight-year-old, yeah. more like an eight-year-old, yeah. right? And then, yeah, and then put on the screen in a very graphic, interesting way, way. like a, a graphic, uh, way. And, uh, yeah, not graphic, like a, yeah, it's strange and graphic at the same yeah. time. Uh. So one reason that this movie is not as popular or what in our lifetime had not been as popular in the U.S. as it was in Japan when it came out, despite being this sort of cult movie should have been a thing, right? Right. Uh, The 2010 Criterion release of this film was the first time it was available in the U.S. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely wild that it took that long. It It had to have been shown. It just probably wasn't yeah. widely available, so, right? People were playing it in art houses or something, probably, right? Yeah. So I'm a I'm a little unclear on the relationship here, because starting in like 2009, I don't know what the impetus here uh, was for it. Starting in like 2009, theaters in the U.S. were showing it, uh, and then Criterion was going to put it out on an Eclipse release, uh-huh. which, as we've talked about in the past, generally means uh, no new transfer, very few special features, If well, usually none at all on the Eclipse. Um, I can't think of an example of an Eclipse we've watched that had any special features, right. I don't think. But uh, but also usually not. They don't sink money into updating it, right? Uh, so it got so popular among the movie theaters in the U.S. that they decided to upgrade it to an actual Criterion release mm-hmm. instead of an Eclipse. Uh, so, you know, it was... It was popular. It started being seen, and a lot of people went to see it in the U.S. in 2009. Uh, and then along comes Criterion in 2010. Interestingly, uh, I think there is... I I have not seen anyone explore this idea, but also I could care less about it. Uh, but I do find it interesting that 2009, this movie starts getting wide, widely seen in the U.S. And then 2010... Uh, Ethan Nicole launches Axe Cop, which is a very similar concept from a writing standpoint, right. where his where his eight year old brother 
is the source for all ideas about the plot. Right. Uh, so I wonder if I wonder if Nicole was inspired by that. I have no interest in actually exploring that. No, 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 not worth it uh, uh, in any yeah. capacity. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. Um, so Criterion releases this in 2010, and that that sort of why it's more in the popular zeitgeist in America, the U.S. Right. than than certainly within you know, Japan. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, like I, I, you know, I don't. It's one of those things where, like, again, I'm. 99% sure that like if you talk about it with like a film buff here you'll they will know of it or have seen it or right. something of course but like if you just bring it up with a random casual person they're not going to know it the way like they know fucking a it's Kurosawa a, movie or something like that, that it's a weird about. movie it's a weird movie from 40 years ago uh, right right and that's a, that's a big thing is that like I, you know you'll yeah. you'll see people talk complain about this in sort of Japanese sort of circle like internet circles and stuff like Young people in Japan are just not that interested in exploring those the depths of like 1970s film or something like that. They're just not. Yeah, they're not going yeah. to. I mean, I can rent it here. Like it exists. It's not like it doesn't exist. It's not like they don't have copies of it out there. But it's it's a it's a niche thing, right? It's right, right. The reason I thought that it must have been playing in America before is that some of the clips in the in the um, bonus features. And also, some of the people who watch the movie, who talk about it, and so the bonus features, use a different translation for the name of the cat. Yes, uh, called which the implies cat that Snowball. somebody did. They call it yeah, Snowflake instead of, or whatever yeah. instead of Blanc, which is like implies that somebody watched some translation that must have predated the one that we're watching. Like right. neither of them are the name of the cat in the movie. <laughs> But they are different names for the name of the cat in the movie. Yeah. So it's like implies there was a previous version, right? The cat's just named White in in right. the movie. Yeah, which is I mean, Blanche is French for white, so it's it's just a weird Yeah, it's just a, it's weird, a weird translation well, choice. Snowflake yeah. is like I, I think I assume it's because you're just like calling an animal white would just be weird for right. anybody, right? Uh Very and much. they're trying to I think get across the fact that like everybody in the movie for the most part, is named a kind of pseudo nickname, and in the credits and stuff, that's in the way it's written on, you know, in Japanese, that's denoted by like writing their name in like the sort of Western sort of I don't know how to describe it the the alphabet that's used to write Western words, uh, which sort of denotes like oh this is not like the word but like is a nickname, uh, and the cat is too weirdly enough at least on the credits, so yeah. Yes, the cat's credit. The cat's name is is Red, or maybe Baby. <laughs> Excellent. Um, Red Red is a really great name for for that cat. <laughs> um, apparently, in the Japanese language version, the cat's name is Osher. Osher. Well, it's, it's. I mean, according to the credits, it's Shiro, and like everybody I saw. I mean, I don't know. It's, it yeah. could, it's, it's, it, my takeaway from watching it was like, so on the, on the Japanese Wikipedia page, it says its name is, is Shiro, which is white. Okay. Uh, and they, they use a hyphen to note like, oh, we're now, we're going to talk about who plays this. And the, and the hyphen leads to the name of the Persian cat is red. Oh, I think I missed red. I think, uh. Yeah. Well, Shade um, is um is gorgeous. Gorgeous is his name. Yeah. 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 But her name is the cat's name is Shiro. It's it's just a weird. Th- I, it, that's irrelevant. The point is is that like 
they changed the name between translations clearly. Like clearly some people saw it with a different translation or at least a different choice for what to name the cat. Because it just doesn't come off right. You can't just name a cat white in in, in English and have it make any sense. Right, people right, read it right. as a like a cat's name, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I I uh I caught that. Uh some of the bonus features are very interesting for yeah. that. Uh they some of them are very clearly from an updated Blu-ray release. Actually, it, interesting enough, some of the stuff listed as bonus features on Criterion Channel, yeah, aren't even aren't even in the uh, the contents list for the releases. Are they on maybe are they newer? You think even than that? Yeah, so they they might be newer for that. That might be mean we can expect a, a house update uh, disc if uh, yeah soon. Um, but uh, one particularly that does refer to the cat as Snowflake um, is uh, um, I don't remember which one it is. I didn't take a memo on it's that. called it was called House Trick or Truth. Yeah, the one that they talks essay. about yeah. The only yeah. I would argue it and the the one where we actually to- talked to Obayashi are the only two valuable bonus <laughs> yeah. features. The other two the other ones are essentially well, I mean, emotion. The the movie is interesting. It's a interesting little sort of diversion that doesn't really give you a lot of doesn't necessarily help you in any real capacity. Uh, <laughs> right, right, understand right, right. this movie, um, but uh, yeah, like um, what's his name? Uh, Kogonada's like essay on it is. I wonder, is there a longer actual essay that he has written on that? Because it feels like this is like a, almost a snippet from something much longer. Because uh, yeah. it's very, it's, uh, it's very well thought out. It's just very. It's short. possible. He's he's prior to his and, and maybe still continuing after his film career. Um, he is uh, very uh, well known for his visual essays. Right. So I think this just might be in the style of of what he does. Yeah. It's just it's um, it's it's just so short that it feels like it feels yeah. like a more it feels like a part of a more complete thought. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, this has to be one thing that's very new because uh, Koganada didn't start making video essays until 2012, which would okay. have been two years after the original original release of the Criterion DVD. Um, also, I'm I'm not entirely sure how old he is, but I imagine he was not very old in 2010. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, mean, he's what? Yeah. How old is he he's, now? He's um, I don't see shoot. a publicly listed age for him actually. Um, yeah. I was uh, I was uh, I was surprised to realize it was him uh, because I don't know I really liked Columbus I really liked After Yang I haven't I haven't seen uh, his most recent film yet but uh, he's a really great he's a great film director um, Pachinko is his latest by the way I'm pretty sure it's a TV series not a not right a film, that but, would uh, that would explain I yeah. I you know yeah uh, but it's on Apple TV and, okay and which is why I've I don't, seen it which I've never seen it, I just it because it. yeah I don't have access to yeah. Apple TV. Um, yeah, no, I, I found his, I mean, like his essay tapped into a thing that was sort of perkly in the back of my mind and helped focus the -hmm. ideas. I found his very insight. I am of the firm opinion now that I watch these in the wrong order, which is, is almost never true. I think watching the bonus features for this movie prior to watching this movie would make the watching experience better for me personally. 
I don't think that's true for everybody. But for me personally, I don't derive a lot of pleasure from these kind. Like this movie is is a sort of pseudo version of a kind of movie I don't like. Which is, well, I I I, we've had this conversation. I claim to not like horror, but I like a lot of movies that that have horror written in in the description. Right, right, right. right, A lot of them. I, I because I like suspense and like thrill type movies which are oftentimes yeah. fit into sort of the the non-gore end of horror. Um yeah. but this kind this specific kind of ho- like quote unquote horror movie I do not like. Yeah. Very much specifically these sort of the sort of things where you watch teenagers get killed. Right. Are of right. no mental value to me whatsoever. I despise yeah. them. I've never yeah. enjoyed them. I don't like anything that fits into that genre generally speaking. And I do not like that element of this movie. I will never be able to get over that. I like yeah. a lot about this movie, but I cannot get over that element. And that's not the fault of this movie. I'm not saying that that is a bad thing about this movie. It's a personal thing for me. Whereas yeah. the video, the essays, the the company materials allow me to refocus my attention on the things that are really fascinating and interesting about this movie and not yeah. get caught up in the things well, I that's... really specifically don't like. That's very interesting because uh, that contextualization of of house as social commentary is sort of what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, part of what, what I mean, it's it's a combination of things because his Colonandas uh, is 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 that which I find extremely valuable. Yes. But I also find the interviews with Obayashi to be very very insightful and would yes. help me focus on the things that make this movie unique and fun and interesting in a yeah. way that was hard for me to do in the initial viewing because it's very hard for me to get over the fact that I'm never going to be able to get past the idea that it is, I can't, I don't like things that you could almost fit into the category of something like slasher or something like right, that. Right, right, I just, I can't, I don't like them. It makes, I, I hate them. Um, yeah. And that's, again, it's a personal thing. I'm not saying they're bad kinds right. of movies. I, I don't like them. Um, See, what's, go what's ahead. interesting to me there is that, um, particularly the slashers that you would reject outright, the early slashers, you know, just after this, starting, you know, Halloween comes out in '79, uh, I think, and right. that's sort of, you know, there's, there's, there's certainly predecessors, but that sort of kicks off this whole slasher genre in the U.S. And you know, some of them get absurd very quickly, uh, in in a variety of definitions of the word absurd. Uh, <laughs> Not not quite as wide a variety of the definition of the word absurd as can be applied to house. No, but, house is house uh, is a special entity but, in and of yeah, itself, right? Yeah. Um, but most of those, I think, you you would be interested in the social commentary interpretations of those movies, and and I and I uh, am, and yeah. and I do listen to people talk about them with with interest. I don't reject yeah. the the concepts outright. But I feel like I get enough out of people talking about them without actually seeing them. Whereas, you know what I mean? Like, I've heard enough people talk about them and the social commentary that they represent enough that I've, I've been able to internalize that information without actually having to watch the movies. Yeah. Um, and, like, if it ever came up in the Criterion Collection, I would end up, I wouldn't reject it outright and not watch it. Right, but, right. like, I would probably have as much distaste for it as I do now for that yeah. element of it. Um, but, like, bear in mind that, like, you could not I don't think I don't think house that's doable. Right. I don't think listening to a description of the social commentary president in house 
is, and 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 the and the uniqueness of house can be conveyed with words in any real meaningful way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and and again, I, I keep coming back to Kogonada's essay because for me, what that did was is, especially in hindsight, to me from what was a, essentially an unpleasurable experience. Like yeah. it was just not it, because it was hard for me to get over the elements that make me uncomfortable and that I don't like to yeah. to to really engage with the things that were really interesting about. It. I noted them when I was watching it, but I couldn't like get over the hump, but they allowed me right. to like reflect on the film and like sort of re re yeah. almost well, immediately think, reevaluate it. But I think I could have done that from the beginning too. Yeah. If I, I had think been, this if is the a pump movie, had been primed basically. I think this movie on its own uh rewards multiple watches. Probably. I will never um, do that. Well, you don't need I to. I I well, uh, is this a thing I was thinking of? I was like Yeah. I, I the things I was going to have to, I, I've been mulling this over like all day I mean, last night. Like I, this is a movie that I think in, in all conceptual elements, I like that. I yeah. will never, you could not pay me enough money to watch again. Probably. Right. I will. I will say that if I ever find a movie where I would describe it as not benefiting from multiple yeah, uh, yeah, right, viewings, right. Uh, that that is just a failure of a movie. Yeah, that's also right? true. <laughs> so, Although this uh, is this is one of those ones but, where like there's there is literally so much going on that you probably yeah, yeah picking up all the things that are happening probably better. It doesn't help the Criterion just absolutely shit the bed for me for the entire watching of this movie. <laughs> yeah, I could only go like I could only watch like two like a minute or two before it would like oh, no. drop me back yeah. to the main menu. I watched this movie in two minute chunks. Like I watched the whole like first. 75 minutes no problem and the last like 10 yeah. minutes of the movie it dropped me out every 30 seconds <laughs> that's, that's so annoying it's a horrible way to watch the Indian yeah. movie uh yeah um well it's also a movie that uh really plays well in the digital age because there are things that happen in it that make you think that the film is messing up yeah yeah, uh, yeah. not in a not in a way that obayashi could have possibly anticipated as like that being the joke right, right? But just the the parts where it goes like almost stop motion for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you're like, is my frame uh, rate fucked up? What's happening here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I mean, well, he does right because that is also the same thing you would get in a you you know it's like oh it, he's he's constantly playing with the idea of like almost like you know he talks about it in his in his discussion of it like like doing a bad job like not yeah. like. Not like a bad job of making a movie, but doing a bad like the film. The effects should be obvious. Like right. playing with the right like, kind of reverse of the way everybody thinks about special effects, which is like no, no, yeah. no. You, that, I want my audience to look at it and say that's a special effect, yeah. which Out, is really outright, cool. outright rejecting the use of the in-house special effects department, yeah. the best in the world at yeah. the time, <laughs> in favor of hey, we can do movie. this because I want you guys are going to do too good of a job. Yeah. Right. And presumably, I would assume, also tell me no sometimes. Right, right. Like, no, that'll look bad, or no, we don't want to do it that way. Right, right. That's he already talks about, his his trouble with uh, with the crew. Yeah. Uh, and how the lighting guys just didn't give him the time of the day until he greeted them by name. Right. And no one had ever greeted them by name before, right. basically. Uh, I, I just like the antidote that got me is the end where it's like all the messages they were like, oh, we really enjoyed working with you. We hope you make a good movie <laughs> yes, next time. Yes, it's so beautiful. Yes, it's so I love good. it so much. 
<laughs> it really is. It really is so great. Everybody's like, oh, this is the best time I've ever had in my entire career. So great to remember that making movies can be good and not just a tedious job. Uh, also, you should make a good one. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't wait so to good. see your good movie. It's beautiful. Yeah. I love it so yeah. much. But uh, to get to get down to brass tacks about what um, what Koganata yeah talks specifically about. talking about um, yeah it's interesting I I part of what makes me feel that Koganata's uh, argument is not is like a piece of a whole is that I don't mm. think he takes it far enough or maybe hasn't considered it quite far enough right so Koganata is talking about this movie is about the atomic bomb and the war right it it's all everything yeah. takes. And, it, and it's kind of engaged with the idea that everything takes place in the shadow of of the war, right? Everything takes place right. in the shadow of the atomic bomb. And, and you know, we, but without ever, without hardly any references to it being in the movie. Um, and like, um, Obayashi also talks about that, right? He talks about like, I want to show people who never knew the war, right? Who, right. What, what, what it means to be, live in a world of peace, right? Um, yeah. And and it's interesting because they're they're kind of making the same points from like slightly different sides, right? From different directions. Yeah. Uh, they they're very clearly like Obayashi did think about those things when making the movie. He just doesn't talk about them the same way. Uh, but I would say that Koganada's argument is very very good, but doesn't go far yeah. enough. Which is Koganada doesn't engage with the idea that I think is actually central to the movie, at least as the way I understand it. Which is the past is constantly destroying the future. Like yeah. And and it's an always constant process. Like. The past, and here it's very explicit. The past is killing this future, right? It's killing yeah. these these people who are innocent, right? And and destroying yeah. them, and, and that's coming from the past. The past is reaching out and destroying them, right? They're incapable, like they're you know, and the idea that like they can never be happy because the past destroys yeah. that happiness, right? Right, right, and and that we are constantly haunted by the past, right, and and. And in a in a certain regard, that makes this movie very Ozu about the older generation yeah, refusing to let go and letting, letting the young generation well, live. And it's interesting because it what it is is it's it's sort of an extension of it, right? It's like we ima- we're imagining that Obayashi is extremely far removed from uh, those kind of directors, right? From your Ozus, right? But like he, what he is is just a continuation of the thought processes that they were all right. that all the that all the directors were going through immediately after the war, right? Right. Obayashi's a little bit younger. He lived through the yeah, war, but he's, but he's younger. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, he's younger than Ozu. Ozu had been making movies sure. for how long Certainly. before the war? Yes. <laughs> like much, but like much younger than Ozu, and and he's younger than a lot of those. Like and much younger. He was much a younger child than... during the war when a yeah. lot when a lot of the directors we've been dealing with like. Suzuki and some of those guys were like lived, li- were like yeah. in the war or lived during the. Yeah. War. So he has a different perspective on it, right? Like right. he essentially Absolutely. grew up in the post-war society, but lived through the war, right? He knows what the war yeah. looked like. He went through it, but he grew up in the post-war society, right? right. Um, and and we need to particularly mention he grew up in Hiroshima, right? And he explicitly says, like a lot of his, of his childhood like, family, friends, yeah, you know, childhood yeah. friends were killed, and like yeah. that does obviously paint into and it's worth noting that like Hiroshima and Nagasaki were both there's a long there's a sort of image that exists that like well they cleaned it up and then like everybody moved back and it was all fine which is like the image that sells best in the world but like those places are still played by the after effects of the bomb 
like explicitly. Right. Like yeah. cancer rates are significantly higher. People who lived through the bomb later went on to have serious health effects and, and places that were destroyed, still parts of them still stand. Like these are places where the where that bomb is not is not actually gone, right? And so he's a person who lived in that place, right? While not just when it happened, but also in that place where the past continues to reach out and kill the people in the future, right? He most certainly knows people who died five years later, ten years later, right? As a direct result of that, right? Um, and that's that is a that is one of those things where it's like incredibly like not just in the present but also the it just continues to reach out like i mean now we're kind of past the point where nearly all survivors have passed away at this point they may have all i don't think a hundred percent i'm not sure what the statistics on there are but like for decades and decades and decades right somebody would just develop cancer that was directly connected to it right? right or develop some other really serious condition directly connected to it uh, or live their whole life with a condition that's directly the result of it. Um, yeah, I don't, it's, it's just interesting. He's, he's a person with a met, but he chooses to convey that message with the sort of lightheartedness of like, it almost has that feeling of like you sort of that, you know, that, that, that kind of idea of like, well, it's either we laugh or we cry, right? Like those are the only right, two right. responses that you have to this kind of idea. So, yeah. 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 Koganato is very good about uh pointing out in a, in a fairly short piece right, pointing right. out that this movie is is a conflict between the older generation and the younger generation. Uh and pointing out that the, you know, the central image of the film, the I mean chronologically central right. image of the film is the possession scene where uh, where a gorgeous looking into the mirror is possessed by the spirit of her of her aunt, right? And kicking off the the much more overt horror right. for the rest of the movie. Uh, but it's I don't know. I feel like, and maybe it's just someone a director not wanting to force his interpretation of a thing onto yeah onto the film, right? Um, he's a little more reticent to to say anything beyond. I wanted to make a movie that had the theme of the atomic bomb, uh, without really explaining what he meant. Right, by that. right, and so, I and yeah, yeah. Kogunada is, is is a little bit more clear about that. It was already something yeah. I was because you you get that scene yeah. in the very beginning, it's definitely and there. you right, and it sticks with you, right? Like you remember seeing the atomic bomb at the beginning, and you can't help but like continue to think about it throughout yeah. the movie. Um, Particularly with the one girl saying it looks like cotton candy right, exactly. over the image of the mushroom cloud, right? But We're like, calling direct attention she, to it. It, it. You know, Oyashi's a little bit more uh, coy about it, but yeah. he makes multiple... Re- like, throughout the interview with him, he's constantly making little references to the idea that in some way or another this movie is about the war or right. about the experiences of, and, like, the world after the war, right? Yeah. Um, and the ant... The ant is waiting for a pre-war peace that will never come. Right. And and is not able to recognize the peace that is growing. Right. And that is, you know, that is a, a if that is not social commentary, I don't know. Well, what, and it's and it's worth it is, noting right? that the aunt is also a victim the aunt and her fiance are a victim of the very same concept, right? Right. Right. Her her fiance is killed by 
by the past, right? Like, right. is is bad old like, is old ideas reaching out and killing the present? In as much as yeah, yeah, is in as much as like like her fiance didn't start this war. He didn't decide right. to like have this war. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's an older generation. It's the past reaching out and, and killing the present, right? Um, right? And so she's as much of a victim, and she continues the cycle of violence uh, going right. forward, right? Um, and and depriving those the the younger generation of their of their present and therefore their future, right? Right. Um, and reinflicting reinflicting the trauma of the war that killed a generation of young men by killing multiple generations of young women. Like right. We right. explicitly say there are no there are no girls in the village anymore. Right. 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 Yeah. It. It's. I mean. It's. And. And. Unfortunately, the way that this movie conveys those themes is via a way of conveying those themes that I find extremely distasteful <laughs> and do not enjoy even a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, like I find the visual effects exciting and interesting and fun to watch, yeah. but I keep coming back to what they what they're in service of, right? Which is right. is a thing that I personally find distasteful, but not yeah. is not bad. It, it it conveys the point quite well. Um, it's just I can't. I'll never. I will probably personally never be able to handle yeah. that. Uh, it's the yeah. thing I it, you come the, to realize even in the goofiest possible way. Right. I mean, where. I know you know this intellectually, so I'm not really hashing anything new for you, but that sort of uh, our current society is killing our children is the backbone of the social commentary of Nightmare on Elm Street, is the backbone of the I social understand commentary. That. I understand that. I will <laughs> say that like, I would rather engage with this version of it than that version of it. Right. Just right, because right. at least this one is, is, is goofy in a way that I can almost get there with. Right. Yeah. Like this hits a level of 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 goofiness that I can almost go on the full ride with. I will never be able to go on a proper horror film's full ride with it. Like right, I just right, can't. Right. I can't do it. Uh, and part of it is that like I I have a lot of trouble dealing with the idea of the and and maybe I'm a different person now even than I was when I was younger. I didn't enjoy these things because I also am very easily scared. Uh, in general, yeah. so I didn't ever engage with horror film very much when I was younger because I was scared, and now it's probably shifted over to like I have trouble watching young people get hurt in nearly any environment at all. <laughs> like I can't, I can right, barely right. stomach, I can barely handle it, uh, and like especially when you end up, you know, horror movies are all predicated on these these kinds of notions as being emotionally. Um, Sort of uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? It's sort of like drawing out emotion, right? They're 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 meant, and I and I understand, and I generally speaking respect what they're trying to accomplish. Now, mind you, mm-hmm. some of them are very good and do that, and some of them are very bad and don't and are are the direct opposite of that, right? Like there are, just like in any category, there are <laughs> there are horror directors who aren't attra- attempting to accomplish that 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 political commentary, that social commentary, right? But mm-hmm. um. And that's why I always have to be very careful. Like I have to very carefully evaluate something that has the quote unquote horror tag on it about whether it's something I will like or something I just will not be able to tolerate. Um, but like, yeah, I can't, I can't ever get around. Uh, well, I mean, I see a, a fundamentally innocent person being killed on screen and I can't, I can barely do it. I can barely make it through it. Right. Um, right. And and it and it happens only in horror. Like other movies of other genres, I can get through that through other means 
but like horror movies just do it to me. So uh, either way, though, I mean, I find in retrospect, going back and thinking about those themes, I find it very interesting and kind of exciting to think about. Um, I find I I adored the first half of this movie, like not even the first half, the part where they get getting to the house is extremely fun for like it's just meant to be fun but it's so much fun it i did not know that obayashi was a commercial director when i because i didn't read anything about this movie before i started i purposely wanted to go in i typically try to do this but i wanted to go in like as uninformed as humanly possible and i was like i was talking because Rumi was in the room with me i was like man this looks like those like those like teen idol videos that you would that like you would see on tv like because you know like a lot of times when we're watching tv uh, Japanese TV likes to show videos from old, older eras, like yeah. you know, like oh, this is what it was like then. This is what commercials look like then, and all that stuff, right? Uh, and it's like, man, this looks exactly like what they would show, like on like a, on an evening TV show when they want to show like what like music videos were like in the seventies or something like that. And it's like it's doing all those things, and it's like, well, this is really fun and weird. I'm. You know, it feels exactly like one of those things, right? The painted backdrops and everything, all that sort of stuff. I find the visual style of the movie, especially in the first half, really fun and, and kind of cute, right? Um, it's it's really fun to engage with. And the visual style going on further on is very interesting. It just, again, is in service of a thing I don't find very interesting uh, style-wise. Uh, like the, the very the core function of it, right? But, uh, right, right. Yeah, and it's not, you know. And there's all no. kinds of stupid little jokes in there, man. This movie is so yeah. chock full of th- And, like, they don't even <laughs> translate them all. It's just fucking chock full of stupid jokes. Uh, one of my favorite ones, because I was talking to the family after this one, is there's a there's a, a a kind of tongue twister in Japanese. I don't know if they translate They might have translated it. There's a tongue twister in Japanese that goes, that basically goes, uh, what is it? It's, uh, like, fresh wheat, fresh rice fresh t- uh eggs okay because they all kind of mm-hmm. sound the same it's a tongue twister okay and the word for a decapitated head sounds kind of is a sort of pun equivalent to one of those sounds kind of like one of them and so right. when she's shouting that the other girl keeps doing the ner- the tongue twister after her right it's right. It, i don't know if they translate yeah. it because it wasn't being they don't they don't translate it but it's it's I won't say it's completely obvious what's going on to a non-Japanese speaking audience. Uh, it was obvious. Obviously, I have no idea what the translation of the tongue twister would be, or or what uh, or that it was a traditional tongue twister. But the way they're responding, it's pretty obvious right, that yeah. she's saying something that's of a set of syllables that everyone's familiar with. The way they're responding, yeah, like, it's it's just like it's full of those kind of things that I I did enjoy yeah. a lot of that goofy shit. It was um, yeah. The thing about it is, is like I, I, this is this is a rare movie that we get to watch. This is in a time and place where they're speaking relatively modern, regular Japanese that I like understand. Yeah, it's not a samurai movie. It's not a movie from fifty six, like fifty years ago. They're speaking like, generally speaking, the Japanese I understand. Yeah, and so like I found my you know. It was it was really it was a fun time because we very rarely get I very rarely get to like relax when I watch a Japanese movie because most of the time I can't understand half of what anybody's saying. And this was really yeah. th- this was kind of exciting for me on a personal level, but um, it also turned out to be like kind of not 
my favorite kind of movie. But, <laughs> right, 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 um, right. It was, a, it was, there was, a, there's a lot of neat stuff in here. Like, I really, the special effects are, are neat. I, if you detextualized, uh, decontextualize any one of these scenes from what's actually happening and just show yeah. me a clip of it, I would be like, that's, wow, that's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. Like, like all the weird composite shots, like, especially in the room right before the, it starts like, where they like telling the story and her head's real big and there's the eyeball and like this shit is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's only in the context of like what's actually happening to these girls that it like starts to really like get me upset, right? I get that. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, you know, like like a lot of horror movies. This is this is weirdly sort of a middle ground between a traditional Japanese ghost story like Quiet mm. On and the more modern slasher movie that would right. be popular, very popular in the U.S. just after this came out. And the rise of that, you know, we are talking about the era of the grindhouse that, that right. grew into the slasher movie too. So, uh, and it gets... It gets compared to that that seventies Italian stuff like Suspiria and and that that uh, what it, how do you say it Gallo uh, Giallo uh, sort of film stuff that's that can get also just weird and avant garde uh, in, in right, service right. of its horror um, Suspiria more than more than almost any other. Um, Well, so it's oh, ahead, it's just sorry. a mix. It just exists in such a weird place as far as like the collection of directors that Criterion pulls together to talk about this are cannot cannot possibly be people who were influenced by this movie particularly. Oh, see, I don't uh, know who any like I don't know who any okay. of them are. So, like, they just—I was just watching special features, and like, there's the two. There's like the pair that does it, yeah. And they don't—I mean, so, not to be mean, but they don't offer anything of value, right? They don't really. Uh, and that's actually that's interesting because that's uh, that's one of the bonus features that is absolutely cannot find mention of it unless it's being referred to as something that I cannot correlate in the in the list of criteria, yeah, uh, stuff. So, okay, so we get we get the one we've already talked about with Koganada. Uh, and and we're all we're dealing all with younger people who maybe were in the time where uh, where they could have seen House during the revival in 2009, and they would have been in their early 20s, late teens, right. maybe. I don't know exactly how old most of these people are. Uh, so that one, we're talking to David Lowry, who is the director of A Ghost Story, the Casey Affleck movie. Right, he movie mentions his where, movie a couple yeah, times. I he, forgot about he explicitly that. mentions his movie. Uh, the other person being talked to there is Excel Carolyn, who is uh, a Belgian actress turned horror movie director, uh, and I've never seen any of her work. Um, okay. A Ghost Story is interesting. It's not a horror movie. It's a story about uh, disconnection and, and disappearing within your suburban life in many ways. Uh, and then the uh, another person who gets his own, uh, I think it's totally voiceover, is Ty West, who right. is... Yeah, I forgot uh, about that one. Yeah. Who is the director of uh, House of the Devil, uh, which very much in the slasher vein, uh, Cabin Fever 2, which is very much in the slasher vein. Uh, but then more recently, 
he they're still slasher movies but they're they're maybe more interesting slasher movies with x and pearl uh his pair of movies that came out last year and uh and maxine which is the the third in that trilogy uh coming out soon uh and those are i mean they're exploitation films too and they're they're playing with the idea of exploitation films they are not this in any right. in any way well and, either yeah i mean it's just that, like i don't know like i felt like when I was watching it, like for me personally, just like Kogonada uh, was the only person who sort of like seemed to be engaging with the film beyond like, <laughs> yeah, like all, like, the all of them one... were kind of like, wasn't that rad yeah. and cool? And that was not like right. wild. Yeah. And it's like, he's the only, he's the only one who isn't a horror director too. Right. Which is interesting. Um, yeah. I think, I think Ty West offered more than the double exposure with, uh, with David Lowry right. and, and Axel Carolyn for me, at least. I mean, I don't. Um, I I watched his, but I can't. Like it didn't. Yeah. Whatever it is, it didn't one, stick very well. So I don't one, really remember it very well. But one in, interesting thing that West brings up, uh, as a, I I wouldn't really call anything that I've seen from West an art film, uh, necessarily. I think West could see them as art films, and one could make that argument if they wanted to. Yeah, but um, I mean, honestly speaking, not, like I don't know what the word art film I'm really not, means. I don't yeah, like you could right, like right. argue that any but, films are an art film, or all films are yeah, art films, because yeah. you know. But right, but what he brings up as as an art film, I uh, essentially to say that art films drag their audience in; they force them to engage, and um, and I think that's something House did for you forced you to think I mean about well what. it will one will never know because this thing also yeah. forces me to watch movies that <laughs> right, I wouldn't right, necessarily right. watch fair. otherwise but that's like also fair. yeah I would say like again for me it's sort of again I'm, I'm existing in a weird like weird space where like house almost forced me to reconsider it at the end by a bunch of people talking about it in a way that I really yeah. like respect I, and like and acknowledge it's good yeah art art film and it's sort of when I think of art film I think of experimental film uh, and this is obviously very much an experimental right. film, but but we get those more abstract experimental films that we've dealt with with like the works of uh, a Brackage, right? Right. Um, I mean, I would say that films. his other film, Emotion, is very much in the art yes. house vein, like art film vein, right? Like that's a yeah. deliberately art film, art film, right? Like it's like right, right, purposely sort of messing but, with the way the audience is capable yeah. of understanding what they're seeing right. and stuff like that. Yeah, but emotion is also an art film that is dealing with horror tropes, right? Right, but in such a in such a wild ass way that you can't even quite yeah. acknowledge them as horror tropes, right? Like it's yeah. it's it's so a, disconnected that it sort of feels different even from that, right? There is a lot of house in emotion, uh, not the particularities I, I, yeah, I of, of what what his daughter brought to uh, what the scary bits would be, but emotion is also about an older generation exploiting the young. Well, absolutely. Right. I my my point would be that like because emotion exists, emotion is so much more in the vein of what we would think of as art film. It doesn't even it it engages with even the idea of plot in a in a right, much right, more right. disconnected way. Where oh, like yeah. you get the takeaways, you get the themes, but you're like it. I yeah. would call my biggest sort of takeaway from the idea of whatever you would call art film is the idea I'm essentially watching. It's more like watching an abstract painting be alive 
or or, yeah. or the abstract uh, concept of abstract being alive. Like absolutely, Brackage is of course the extreme version of that, right? Where you're just like, I've now actually just rendered painting as a thing that moves, right? But yeah. like, you know, something like this where you're like, well, I'm just going to take away the themes, but like, I'm not really watching a true, honest to god story, right? Like, right, right. Emotion, emotion is from 1966. It's uh it's a short film. It's 40 minutes long. Um, it's, so it's, it's not that short. short <laughs> uh, it is what what earned Obayashi a heck of a lot of goodwill in making house. Um, he also built up, you know, he, he built up the, the anticipation for house in a very real way. Yeah, I mean, Toho he, was, he, he was a, Toho, the original media influencer or yeah, whatever, right? It's just yeah. like Toho was going back and forth on whether or not they were actually going to make it. So he got, he got the music done, had the band, the band doing the music, released the soundtrack, released a serialized manga version in a boys magazine, released a serialized fiction version in a girls' magazine, released the novelization, released a radio play version. Yeah, uh, and, and he like basically forced their hand. The like he doesn't exactly right. describe yeah. it that way yeah. in in the description, but he's essentially like, right. "I'm going right. to make it so that if you don't release this, everybody will go, what the fuck? Why didn't you release it?'" <laughs> right, right. Anyway, so so emotion is something he made ten years prior to this, eleven years prior to this, 1966. Like I said, plays with a lot of the same themes, a lot of stylistically very similar, also stylistically very much commercial. Uh, you know, uh, ad- advertising sort of thing. Mm. Uh, what I found really interesting about emotion was sort of the the interplay between the the simple phrasing of the narration mm. and uh, and the images we're seeing is that it also what it really reminded me of was like some sort of cross between an elementary school educational film and a children's picture book. Yeah, no, uh, I I agree with that. Like, yeah. I wasn't thinking educational film but it reminded me of the picture book is definitely there for sure and i i it did i was i guess so it kind of it had a vibe remember those um remember those weird science science as fiction movies we watched yes 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 that that the way that voiceover and narration works feels very very similar i would agree with that right where it's like i'd say that's that's true which i guess is what you're describing but you know i i have another different image of like educational film by the time we were like children doing education right where it sort of had had, it had morphed again right uh had taken on a slightly different shape at that point right 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 yeah i guess i mean i think about uh I just think about a very calm male English voice, well, American voice, but speaking in English, saying something like "See Jane Run." That right? Sort of yeah, yeah. Base, I know what you very mean. Very yeah. base thing, but uh, that that everyday day in the life sort of educational film that we see pop up more in parody today, obviously, but right. stuff from like the fifties. Yeah, I that's a, kind of what I was thinking too. Is that what it reminds me of is that the way it calmly describes what's where it's also sort of describing what's happening on the screen in a way that only those kinds of films do because most films don't feel a need to describe what's being shown. Right. right? Like right, right. you know you know, most films are not are not don't engage with what's happening on screen. Like the audio in a film doesn't engage with what's happening on screen. The narrator isn't describing the world. The narrator is usually describing like the setup or something that I've had, right. or it, whereas this is not that right. Yeah. Um, I mean, emotion yeah. is very interesting. I, I, it is, it caught me off guard because somehow like when I went through and watched, I'd never noticed it was on the end of the list until 
I thought oh, yeah. I was done. Got to the, like I was like, oh, I've watched everything, and I I accidentally hit like the one over thing. I was like, oh shit, there's another <laughs> thing over here. <laughs> well, I'm glad you ended up watching. I mean, yeah, I ended up watching. Um, it just sort of caught me off guard. So I was like, oh, finally, everything's done. I'm ready to go. And then I was like, click. Ah, oh, shit. Yeah, I have 40 more minutes um, of watching stuff to do. Right. Well, the music's very fun in this. The editing is very, very fun and interesting. Um, you know, here we get that view of the intergenerational conflict as vampirism instead of right. a haunting, which uh, is a little different take. And also, you know, I mean, it's not any less or more accurate. It's just that you can, right. under, like, you can. It can be more than one thing at the same time. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And and vampirism traditionally and and here has much more of an over sexual overtone right, to it, right? right. Um, that comes here, uh, yeah, and and it's played interestingly here as you know as very honest, like the as as the one young woman's being seduced, we see her face have a have a glass of wine thrust in front of it, right? Right, you know, right. It's just. Uh, it's it's true to life in how these things take place, even as we see them in almost montage more than straightforwardly. Right. Yeah, and it, and and I wonder if some of if the different take has to do like we're talking about eleven years later, right? Yeah. If some a lot of that has to do with like Obayashi getting older and kind of developing his sense of what that is, right? Yeah. A a, a change from like well, you know, in the first one, he's in his late twenties, probably early thirties. Because he's forty yeah. when he he's basically forty when he releases house. To that effect, something yeah. like it's like he's because he was born yeah. thirty eight, right? And so he would be in seventy seven. He would be numbers, yeah, <laughs> pushing forty, right on 41. forty, right? So when yeah. he makes this, it's eleven years prior. So he's like he's like twenty eight, right? Right. He's just about to start. He's be, just started working, right? He's like. It's showing on college circuits, but he's describes himself in emotion as being like having worked a couple of years in commercials, right? So he's yeah. he's only just started working, and so at this point he's like seeing as it's very easy to understand that he would see the older generation as a sort of a vampire on him, right? They're yeah, they're using him for to make money, right? He's making commercials. It, it, in many ways, I think it's probably a commentary on him making commercials and probably not necessarily wanting to be a commercial director, but like, hey, that's where yeah. I am. And it, they pay me, but like they're also like sucking my life, right? They're like they're sucking the lifeblood of my art and things like that out of me in order to make money, right? Um, and then as you know, you get ten years on, right? He has a kid, and now he can co- sort of see that this isn't just like vampirism. This is abs- this is abject destruction, right? They're not right. They're not yeah. just. And also, he's gotten older, so he's he's getting to look back at his life, and he's getting to say like, oh, like he's getting to look back at the war and things like that and all the, and all the people who even more people who have probably passed away and people he lost and and it's like oh they like they didn't just suck my lifeblood they destroyed us they like they crushed us into oblivion for their own their own purposes right, right? um right. so i i it's it's interesting because you can see a sort of evolution of that idea i think right there it's not just that there's different ways to view these things but that like yeah. A single person it, can go through different stages of understanding these things. Right. And didn't just crush us into oblivion, but crush us into oblivion and then rebuilt us into them. Right, right, exactly. Yes. Yeah. And and well, and like, you know, crushed ninety percent of us and then rebuilt the leftovers into themselves. Right. Right. right and right. bear in mind, he also was would have been young 
during the student revolutions. Yes. And would have watched them be crushed utterly under heel. Right. And then now everybody's working in advertising. Right. Right. Including himself. Including himself, right? And And advertising's the only place to make true art. Right, right. It's the only place you can get money to make art. And, like, he's watched everybody who was in those student revolutions be turned into office workers who all feel, Mm. a lot of whom feel very, very guilty about it. Right. That guilt is one of the driving forces behind volunteerism in Japan for the last, like, 20 years has been the guilt of all those people who thought they were going to make a new world ended up just turning into office drones and then finally were able to get close to retirement and said, like, oh, man, like, I feel guilt about who I've been for the last 20, 30 years, right? Right, Um, right. It's a a serious driving force, like, at least in polls and stuff like that, right? Um, And so... um, He's going through that too, right? Like he's he's he would have been of an age where like he would have been in like college around the time you know, it was nineteen sixty six or something like that. He would have been in college. He would have that would have been right around when emotion came out. Um you know, he's probably watched everything that people were fighting for and stuff like that in the country get crushed and destroyed, right? It doesn't exist anymore. Um so yeah, I mean, there's probably a lot going on there, right, between these two movies in terms of, and now he's finally got the budget. He now he can finally make a movie, right, like an actual thing that he probably set out to do when he started, right, right. Um, and he makes a thing that is just absolutely wild as fuck. <laughs> right. But like, I don't know my the thing, but I I always have to feel very. We I feel like we have to be very careful, right, because I feel like more than one of the directors that we watched and certainly a great quantity of people who probably watched this movie engage it with it primarily as wow this is wild as fuck right yeah and i think that's really dangerous right because you can really really strip this movie of any meaning by like engaging with it as like you're like one step away from turning into like the rocky the way we engage with the rocky horror picture show or something like that right yeah where it's yeah. like this is just some goofy fun crazy shit instead of like this is a person in legitimate efforts to like really talk about things with art. Right. Yeah. Well, I think, I think, uh, most of that goofy fun shit is that we just never bother to investigate. No, I I agree with that. I know I'm not saying (laughs) that something like those other things we're talking about are bad. Right. They're, they were, that's the same thing. Right. But like, well, that is why the stuff that is, specifically made to be goofy something like uh well okay bird demic or something like the room were trying to be high art and just missed well i mean they were but, trying to be i they think they were trying to be yeah. commercial art and missed i don't right I commercial don't, art and missed not high art <laughs> Certainly, yeah you're right yeah but but i think of mean, something like the guy I, who made the room I, might have been trying to make high art he's a very confusing yeah. fellow who knows yeah um but i think more particularly of something like uh velocipaster have you ever heard of that? No, I've not heard of Velocity. That is about that is about a small time minister who uh, transforms into a dinosaur, uh, and I watched a a chunk of it. I did not finish it because it's something that's trying. You know, it's it's like Sharknado or something like that, where it's trying so overtly to be crazy, right? That uh, that it's, uh, it it falls flat because there is no underpin. Right. Well, I mean, that's the the problem there is that like. In order for any of those things, the the thing about that people engage with, and it, I I don't ever feel super comfortable with this a hundred percent, is like 
the idea is that that underlying sincerity that exists inside of the thing is what you need in order to make it quote unquote fun and crazy and fun and like funny right if there's no sincerity there it's just a a callous cash grab is all it feels like right 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 um like i i'm not gonna say pretend like i've seen all those movies that get like get treated that way um but like I it is it is sad to imagine that people might be engaging with this film in that way. In that like yeah, it not not trying to take any any deeper pulse on what it's trying to say. And I, and again, that's not a write off on the movies. I I'm not I am going to write off Birdemic and The Room because well, you should. They yeah. they were also just callous cash grabs in their own way, right? They were like I want to become a film director like I, I you know, that's they're they're different too, right? Um these are people without much to say who want to be directors, right? right? Uh, the flaw is somewhere else, but there's still a flaw in the sort of pipeline there, right? Where you're like, um, but like, I'm sure some of those ones that get labeled like that way, I just, you know, I essentially, the only movies I see ever, I've ever seen in my entire life are movies for this podcast. Um, uh, <laughs> is what right. it kind of feels like at this point. Um, yeah. And so, my point is, I, I, I've got a gap in my education there, but presumably there's other movies that are like this that people now regard as just goofy, crazy nonsense that's fun to watch that we're, we're certainly trying to go for something. We're trying to, like, talk about something. Yeah. Um, and, it, and, I, and if I watch those and then I l- listen to people talk about the actual themes behind them and then thought about people just regarding them as goofy, like, fun, goofy nonsense, I would be depressed for them, too. Yeah. <laughs> like because there's there's some there's a there's a core here that is that is in, is a, is an important conversation right right with a lot of goofy ass shit labeled on layered on top some really great goofy ass shit no though. it's it's very good again if I see any of it out of context I'm like man that's amazing just don't put it don't I just don't ever need to watch the whole movie again each of the girls is just destroyed by her defining characteristic yes right? and we absolutely. understand that it's her defining characteristic because that's also her nickname yes I mean uh, it's they they are they are almost Dickensian with, in their effort to make yes, in, in the effort with, to make the names reflect the person right with the exception of prof who is not killed by her intellect but is killed by losing her glasses and wanting to get them back <laughs> well okay is, here's the but, thing though she yeah. is though because her nickname is not professor. Yeah. Her nickname is a reference to having glasses. That makes sense. And it's a pun, uh, but nonetheless, my, my right. point being that, like, you know, it's yeah. kind of a... Right, 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 right. Yeah. So the English one fails there. Um, but everybody else sorts of, sort of gets it. Uh, and certainly in, in, apparently in Japanese, everybody gets it. Uh the English translations just work for everyone else better than. I mean, so like I don't know. It, but, it's hard to. I it, it kind the, that is still the weakest one in Japanese too. It's like yeah, she her nickname is like is like studying too hard. Yeah, but like there's a sort of like an overlap with the the idea that she wears glasses. I don't know. It's 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 yeah. similar to well, the, I think the that, Japanese that one is four better. Eyes, but, um, that four it is eyes kind of like thing is all tied up together, right? It would be more like calling her something like four eyes than it. Yeah. Than it. Prof is a weird choice, I would say, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Her desire to have her glasses is a desire for knowledge, right? Classically, so. right, right. And I, I, right. so I would, I would just say that the English version fails because it doesn't quite convey that very Cap- well. Right, right, right. Yeah. 
Um, so, you know, that's very, that's very baseline. Um, team of seven, very classical to Jap uh, Japanese stories, you know, um, seven samurai gets an explicit right. call out in one of the, one of the bonus features or the essay or something, but yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, melody, melody is destroyed by her pursuit of art, the music, right? Right. Uh, but it's all melody is also destroyed by her pursuit of, and I think this is true of gorgeous too, pursuit of classical standards, right? Of, of which is its own haunting from the past, uh, <laughs> of, you know, she's, she's destroyed by a grand piano playing something certainly more classical than the rest of the soundtrack. Right. Uh, right. And gorgeous is pursuing, uh, maybe not even classical beauty standards within Japan, but, but perhaps arguably classical Western beauty standards that Japan has embraced. Uh, you know, that, that gets less, or at least more tenuous for the rest of them uh, right. to to say that this is an implement uh, something from the you know, a haunting from the past killing them. Uh, you know, we also get sort of well, the seven deadly sins thing. Yeah, like okay, let I mean, like, if we let's 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 walk through it right because I do feel like the yeah. move the the bonus features do kind of walk us through it, right. Um, yeah. um, Mac is killed by Mac is killed by a sort of something emblematic of a way of things being done in the past right okay chilling a watermelon in a well is it or a stream is the thing i always heard like whatever it doesn't matter yeah um is a thing of the past right it is a thing that is no longer done anymore that's fair and if it was in the fridge it wouldn't have done but i guess max max defining characteristic of gluttony isn't it is her pursuit of getting the watermelon that leads to her death but uh it is not it's not like she eats herself to death. So no, no. I mean, it's not going. For, I I would say that that none of them quite are as literal as that. They're not that right, kind right. of movie exactly, right? Like, but but it is things emblematic of a past that no longer exists that kills all of them, right? Right. Um, right. She's killed by that a a, a way of doing a, a sort of tradition of the past that no longer exists, right? Or is is only yeah. practiced by the elderly, even at this point, yeah. right? Um, well. Or people going to camps because that's a thing I've done at a Japanese camp before. Whatever. Um, All right. Okay. So we walk through her, right? Okay. Um, I I lost track of some people's like who that like. Uh, let's see here. Um, let's see here. Um, professor is killed yeah. by hers is probably the weakest one in that regard. Um, I. You know, she's killed by like a jar with teeth. It's. It's possible that it has something to do. I don't know what that jar was for. I'm a little bit out of touch on with that because her name's also a reference to a kind of um, um, a kind of a ginger that's served with sushi. Okay. Um, her name's a weird. Her name's very weird. Okay. Um, I don't. It's a lot going on there. That's yeah. Weird. It's like uh, I don't know. I. I think there's a thing there that I don't understand. It, it is is a reference that is far more complicated than I could get, that I've just not encountered. I, hers is confusing. Sweet is killed by, is very certainly killed by emblems of the past. Right. People right. don't sleep on futons very much anymore. Certainly not in the 1970s. People sleep on beds. She's smashed yes. by futons and then, then jammed into a father clock, a grandfather clock, a thing that nobody has. 
right, right, right. Yeah. Um, f- fantasy. I mean, just. I mean, hers is kind of. She survives the longest with people not believing her, basically. Right. <laughs> I mean, she's she is. Hers is like a little bit weird because she is defined by being a person who fantasizes and right, right. nobody believes her because of that. And it's not. And it is kind of what kills her, right? In the end, right? Uh, hers is a little bit more abstract in the sense that, like, she is even now refuses to live in the reality that, like, her friend's about to kill her, right? Yeah. Or she but doesn't she also, care anymore. But she's also living in the fantasy that, uh, uh, that someone of an order generation is going to come save her. Right. Too, right. Right. Um, there's a lot well, he's a, in that fantasy, but yeah, I mean, yeah, she she's a she's a certain archetype too, right? Like there are also archetypes from like Japanese right, like right. teen storytelling type stuff from this right. from around this era, right? They all represent different like girl quote unquote girl archetypes in like manga right, and stuff right. at the time. Um, but like uh, fantas fanta or fantasy like her, like her, um, she she is. Um, yeah, she she is killed well, by by a refusal even at the very end to accept like what's happening, right? Yeah. But she's also she's killed by a refusal to act on her own accord too, right? Right, yeah. I uh, mean, yeah. To 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 be lost in that daydream instead of instead of acting on the world in herself. And it's this longing for well, anything, but Part of that longing is longing for the past quite often. Right, yeah. I mean, um, she does. It, it's interesting because the movie kind of plays with us for the whole time that, like, he might come and rescue her, right? But he's not right, going right. to because the older generation is never coming to rescue you. Right. And instead he gets turned into a pile of bananas and how Freudian of that for, for fantas- right, <laughs> fantasies. Right, right, right. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, my, my point is is that in some way or another they're all kind of killed by emblems yeah. of the well, past or things that represent the past in some capacity or another. I think I think Kung Fu might be a place where that does actually fall apart in that she is killed while while attempting to fight. Um, That's true. Which, which maybe maybe that is an emblem of the past. That, uh, that, I mean, that she does literally have a, like... W- She's not killed by an emblem of the real past, but more killed by an emblem of the fantastical past that Japan has created for itself yeah. in many ways, right? This idea, like, she's killed by a thing. She goes through, she doesn't necessarily kill by it per se, because she's killed by a lamp, whatever. Yeah, But she's, right. like, she's she does a lot of, like, fantastical kung fu that you see in, like, right. in a lot of yeah. Japanese movies. Like, we've watched movies with that kind of shit in it for this. Right, right. And, and there that is all very almost... fantastical, right? It's yeah. not the real past, but it's a dreamed right. up past that very much a lot of Japan at the time right. and continues to live in, right? Yeah. And she's she's also uh, at times doing almost like wire foo sort of Yeah, no, absolutely. Stuff. She's doing and... And, like it's a little early for some of that, but like yeah. you know, they talk about it in that one essay where like, they reference it versus Kuroneko, the 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 other horror film that has like but like we've seen countless movies that are a little bit too deep into its their own yeah bullshit yeah. that like let that uh, happen right where people are doing flips and shit over top of each other but i think i think going back to the past there as well she is named as being more manly than the mm-hmm. men we see in the flashback of the war and she is someone who like in past failings of of Japan is attempting to solve this problem through violence. Yeah, no, I right? I agree. I think there's a, and, a lot of different ways and, you can kind of regard her, right? Yeah. 
and declares victory after posthumously solving it with violence. Victory is declared, and it is a victory that is not real. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> they, yeah. they, they killed the cat, sure, but they didn't actually <laughs> solve their problem. Uh, and everyone's, al- everyone's already dead anyway. Um, I think uh, the painting of the cat spewing just monstrous amounts of blood uh, is... Uh, <laughs> I don't, listen, um, without getting too blue, I think a movie about adolescence that uh, one of the final images is a painting of a cat spewing blood out of an orifice in the center of it uh, probably is a little Freudian. <laughs> yeah, I, I yes, I, I would agree, but I'm never, I'm not super clear on whether or not that was entirely, that may have been more subconscious than conscious at that point, but yeah. I'm not, I mean, what's conscious and unconscious in a movie like House is. Right, that's true. Completely rolled up together. You're probably getting into something a little bit deeper and more on purpose when you have Gorgeous swimming around naked in the blood. Yes, yes. You know, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's it's a very fun movie. It's very interesting. There's a lot going on. Uh, I love that Criterion chose to show it to us. I'm glad. I would love more stuff like this from Criterion, to be perfectly honest. Um, I would you know. like, here. I, my take on it is I am glad to have seen it. It has yeah. added something to my repertoire that I knew was coming and that I was both looking forward to and dreading at the same time. I'm glad that like it is what it is and not what I was worried it might <laughs> Fearful be. Fearful that right? it would be, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I did enjoy a lot of elements of it. Especially, like, I'm glad that I can now talk on a more intellectual level about it. Yeah. I, and I don't, if if we mean that I hope Criterion shows us more experimental film, yeah. yes. I, I don't want I Criterion mean, just explicitly show me too much of this because I will get annoyed very quickly. I mean, I hope that Criterion shows me more stuff that can be uh, described as just crazy. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, no, I like I like crazy shit yeah. in general. Yeah. Um, uh, I would imagine that it, you would a lot of film. Very few things can reach the bar that this movie reaches. Yeah, I, I, I am fascinated by the the one thing that somebody I think it may have been was his name. Ty West. It was his, what's his name? Ty, Ty West. Ty West. Is the one. He I think he's the one who said, like, you know, other people use bits and pieces of it. But if you were to ever use all of it it would yeah. fall apart. I tend to agree. Like, I think this may be in that way with regards to art, this may be a wholly unique entity yeah. that can never exist again. Right. Like this thing is yeah. just so outlandish in every way. And if you ever tried to do even half of what it did, people would look at you like either you're just copying or what the fuck right. is wrong with you. Right. Right. It's, you know, this happens in a lot of art, I think. When when you do something wholly unique, no one can do anything close to that. Uh, either, you know, your choices, the, the cultural response to something wholly unique is either to make it a genre or right. to allow it to exist as, as its, its own. own thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it, and it didn't, this didn't become a genre per se. Right. Uh I am fascinated by the reference of this to Beetlejuice, uh, yeah. that people made, and I would say that that sort of stuff, like Beetlejuice and 
you know, that is probably the closest you could get to almost making something that's whole cloth, taking much yeah. of the same stuff without without breaking the rule, without without right. violating and people saying you're just copying House. Yeah, while while this movie did not get wide release in the in the U.S. for decades, uh, I think the the uh, the bonus features here to make a pretty good argument that the guys who saw Beetlejuice or the guys who made Beetlejuice probably saw House. Yeah, I, I, can, mean, I can believe that Tim Burton saw I House. I would argue <laughs> that Tim Burton is about the closest you could get to a person taking this and sort of continuing on with things that are sort of in this vein. Yeah, yeah. But, like, even then, like, not all of this stuff. I mean, something like Edward Scissorhands is, is right, right. similar in some ways as well, right, where it's like, okay, like, I, yeah, you probably saw this in college or something, right, or something. Right, right, or, right. And I'd say even, which is fine, because like the results were good Charlie, too. Even his Charlie in the Chocolate Factory is, I've is in a vein with this sort of thing. Then, then, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> of course, the original, the Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, which is also in the vein with, obviously, right, um, right. has its own avant-garde horror going on in it. So, <laughs> uh, and coming out. Right around the same time as this movie, wasn't it? Well, um, and that's the interesting. I will say this about this. I I will agree that House is wholly and unique, like deeply unique. Yeah. Um, but like, we need to be careful. Like, there were a lot of there were a lot of weird yes. ass movies being made in the seventies. There, okay, like I said, a there, lot of people were doing a lot of very experimental stuff in the seventies. Right. And this is this is very in line with with the Italian horror at the time. Something like Suspiria that I already mentioned. So, you know, it's not, it's it's ratcheted up in a way that makes it really, really, really unique. But it's not, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. And nothing does. Right, right. right. So. I mean, my thing that I was uh, thinking about when we were uh, watching, th- when I was watching this, and then especially as uh, after people um, were like kind of, oh, you know, Japanese film had never done anything like that, like this. And, and I would agree, like, Again, they're not, yeah, totally agree. But I would say, like, some of Seijin Suzuki's stuff right. gets not, not nearly this weird, but it's pretty fucking weird. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not goofy in this way where, like, there's not, like, the special effects like this. But, like, some of those, some of the scenes in the movies of Suzuki, Suzuki's movies we've seen have been pretty fucking ass weird. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like, it's not like, the sometimes the description of this, give the impression that like no one had ever made a weird film in Japan before. Right. It's like, yeah, it's it's a pretty weird dudes doing some weird stuff. Um, but no, I, I agree that this is a very unique bit of art that like, we'll probably never see the, I am exactly the same thing again. I am fascinated by Obayashi's description of the cultural and critical response to this movie. Uh, because, he describes how uh, o- the older generation of critics actually liked it, or or maybe felt. Well, the he, way he talks like about some it. of them like wouldn't give it the time of day, and then some yeah. of them were like really into it. Yeah, yeah. Some of them just the way he describes it almost attributes the people who liked it to feeling obligated to like it, uh, but but maybe not. Uh, he says kids loved it. 
that the that the preteen crowd really loved this movie, which is fascinating to I, me. I can believe it, right? Because it's still yeah. it, at its core. It's very like, cartoony. Who also likes slasher films too, though? Right, 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 like, right, right. It's very cartoony. It's very weird, and it's it's delightful. Yes, uh, everybody at Toho hated it. Everybody in management at Toho hated it because they didn't want to have to start making movies like this because it did so well with the audience. Right, right. <laughs> which is great. I really love. Uh, well, it kind of makes you know, sense. The whole crew, the ahead. whole crew, saying that they had fun but didn't actually believe in the movie is really, really well. Great I mean, too. here's the thing. I, I think we got to be careful the way we read that. Yeah, they had fun, but they didn't consider it like a true film, right? Because they'd all been making. Right. They're all used to a certain kind of, and they're all the kind of people who are just like, they're like that. They're that weird border case of like filmmaking, right? Where they're like the technicians who yeah. have made a hundred thousand films with the, the same kind of director over and over and over again. Right. You know? And so they have their, they very clearly have their doubts, right. <laughs> About like whether or not this is going to be successful slash be, uh, something that's going to like be quote unquote good. Right. Like may consider it good. Whereas the management at Toho is just basically just come off as just like a bunch of stuff shirts who like, Right, right. Well, we right, don't want to, yeah. like, we know what we make here, and, like, this isn't what we make, right? Um, and it, what, what's more fascinating is that they have essentially a gold mine on their hand, and they don't want to exploit it. Like, that that's the fascinating part, is that they're not looking at it and going, like, okay, well, we need to make nine more of these. You know what I mean? But are actually, like, reg- like distressed by the, the idea that they might have to make more than one. Right, right, right. <laughs> Well, you know, I can't. because if you were to transport that to the future now, like to the present, if some studio randomly got a big hit out of something like something akin to this, they would probably be like doing the math in their head about how they could make six more immediately, right? Turn it into a like you a film universe or something, right? Right, and and certainly glad we did it. Um, I, I am curious to check out other Obayashi films. Are we going to get yeah. more? I, that's what I was not, wondering. not in the criterion collection. That's kind of so, what I thought. Yeah. It might have to be a bonus list. Well, I would be uh, intrigued by a bonus. If they're list available. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If I can find ones that are available. I bet it's pretty hard. Uh, yeah. it looks like the one IRU UME might be available. Like might be a thing that you could actually get, uh, yeah. Somewhere, but we'll well, to, you're gonna have to hunt around, I think. Yeah, we'll have to investigate that. See, but yeah, none of none of the rest of his stuff is in the Criterion Collection. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Uh, the The way I found that was by opening up the Wikipedia list of all Criterion releases and ch- searching for the name Obayashi. And of course, Kobayashi contains the word Obayashi. Right, so, right, yeah. Um, so you got some results. And we on do that. we do have a lot more Kobayashi to to see in general. Um, though I'm not sure we have any Kobayashi in the future too, either, actually, now that I think about it. But, uh, but yeah. So I don't think I don't think any more Obayashi exists in the Criterion Collection. Uh, you know, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised by that. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, this does feel like they yeah. like. There's this this one re- famous one that we're going to show you, and then that's yeah. That's it. It's pretty common. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I'll I'll take a look. I'll see if if anything else 
because I'm yeah if if it's available I'd love to check it out. Uh, 1993 Samurai Kids. Uh, well, see, what I'm worried about is by 1993, are we so far afield from where we were in 1977 that maybe like it might be a tough one for us anyway? I don't know. Where it's like, I would like to see things probably a little bit closer in time, like the things he made immediately after it, right? Or the yeah, a little while the, after it might just be very with hard the possible to do. with the possible exception of his final film, Labyrinth of Cinema, right? Right. Uh, which which does seem to be, I mean, not thematically aligned, not not actually. Uh, the fascinating thing is, is 20, 2017, 2017, he got to make the film that he was talking about never getting to make in this oh, movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, interesting. It's long. Oh, boy. That's an, <laughs> that's an epic film right there, 168 minutes. Yeah, I mean that'd be I'd be His interested too, right? but that is I don't think we can do something that long for a bonus episode, no. unfortunately. Yeah, I mean unless we just uh, really we have to really commit to it. Yeah, but anyway, let's stop stop speculating about future bonus. Right. Uh, yeah, it's a really fun movie. I'm so glad we watched it. Uh, but it may be time to stop talking about it. Yeah, I mean this is uh, we. I mean, well, it's one of those movies where like you could we could we didn't even spend that much time dissecting little bits and pieces of it, but you could do that right? for a really long you, time. Uh, one one little piece I will dissect the whole train journey. You already said that that the first half of the movie is just so much fun, uh, and so cartoony. The whole train movie sequence, like starting with, uh. Hello, Mr. Painter and Mr. Togo walking out of his door. Just felt very Sesame Street. Yeah, yeah, no, no. And then they get off the they get off the bus, and the bus has the cat painted on it, because uh, the cat is always guiding them back to the house. But also cat bus. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Being, uh, and they get off the bus, and it's like this this tourist insert of take your picture in this cartoony bus stop. Right, right. Well, what's <laughs> really amazing it's about it, that. it's like I was messing around. I was chit-chatting with, with Rumi at the time because that bus yeah. stop is wild as shit. Like, there's so much weird stuff going on there. Like, yeah. the whole the whole beginning is is there are still kids' morning shows that still have this vibe and this feel to oh, it Oh, yeah, now. yeah, yeah. And, like, yeah. It, it, has, it's, it is a combination of, like, what you would see, like, again, like – if you like watch Japanese TV now and they'll do like remember when type segments, right? And they'll cut back yeah. to stuff that happened in the seventies or the eighties and it'll all look just like this, right? Seventies and eighties commercials, the, mm-hmm. the, the nice, the weird cutouts and the, and the high gloss on the, on the screen, right? The, the, the heavy amount yeah. of Vaseline on the lens or whatever. Um, and like, it all feels like Saturday morning TV or something to that effect. And then they get there and what, there's a couple things. Well, first of all, like the sign that says, it basically says like, come back to your hometown and get married. Yes. Uh, which is great. Uh, as a setup for later in the movie, right? It's a great little right, setup. Right, and right. then the bus, the bus stop they're on, the name of the town, the, the name of the bus stop or the town they're in or whatever is like the valley between mountains, right? Like it's not, it, a town could be named that. There might be towns named that, but it's also a, just a general word that means like, the, the 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 countryside right like a kind of the right and then the name of the next stop is deeper into the mountain which is where they then <laughs> proceed to walk it's i know it's just like a weird yes. thing that i i watched and i was like oh this is really like a funny little thing like I, there's a lot of little like little things every the movie is like just absolutely jam-packed with weird little like 
yeah. self references yeah. it, to it. It's very, it's a very odd little movie. I, it is, it is so much a child's dream and nightmare all rolled right. into one. And it's, yeah, and it's, and and to a certain part, right? Like when uh, one of the things that the not to like continue having the podcast, but one of the things that helped me after I got done and would actually make it probably more palatable uh, to watch was the daughter talking about this being her nightmares and when you start regarding it less as like and i understand you could do this with any horror movie but i'm not going to because you can't make me um yeah is that like when you start regarding it as like a series of child's nightmares like what a child would dream about at night would go to bed having this sweet little dream and then like go through a process of a series of nightmares because they're all so unreal and like fantastical anyway it it takes on a sort of different vibe right like it's an allegory, but it's also an allegory jammed into a child's nightmare instead of like, I don't know. I it, it, It's just an interesting thing to think about because right. when, it, when it comes down, when you discover, when you learn that every single one of these is a thing that the little girl was kind of scared of, yeah, it, it becomes a lot more yeah. fascinating over, to me. The, obi, the overarching theme of this is Obayashi's fear about intergenerational trauma. Right, right. right. Particularly, particularly filtered through his own childhood trauma, right? And uh, then probably but, to a certain extent regarding his own daughter and like what he's right. passing on to her right. as well, right? Right. And then and then to filter that further through her own declared personal fears, it's just it is a fantastic idea. Yeah, it is. And it really is. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Just artistically all the way down, it's just a, an incredibly fascinating exploration of of the relationship of people's people's fears uh yeah it's just it works so well, societally yeah. and personally yeah uh and it just works so well um yeah just i'm really glad we watched it this is a movie i might revisit i will say uh before i watched it i asked my roommate if he'd like to watch it with us yeah and and he said uh probably not i've watched it i've watched it fairly recently i was like when did you watch house and he says five years ago <laughs> and the fact that that house is pretty recently for having watched it five years ago is, well uh, yeah i mean the house is weird like i mean it's gonna i'm not gonna forget it right ever right, right. and like yeah. every moment every time i think back on it i get closer and closer to being like i i could buy house yeah. like pat you don't want to watch house again at some point, there's a decent chance I will curse myself again because yeah. it's so stuck in my head, I kind of can't let go of it. Yeah. But, like, I also I, don't want to watch it again. I think I I will end because we do need to end. Yes, we do. But I will say, uh, given how much of a sort of zeitgeisty background note house is when I think about thinking about things and like the the image of the of the cats with the face open and like the just like the poster for this you know? right um i'm really surprised that 2010 is the earliest i would have ever heard about house right uh, that is surprising is, right because i yeah. remember and i guess here's the thing i feel like i remember seeing that image before yeah. i ever came to japan i would have been in japan you would have been in japan by the time and i feel happened. like i remember seeing that image before that so I'm a little bit freaked out by all this. I feel like the movie is doing something to us. Maybe, maybe. Like it feels now. It feels like the idea of house is now haunted for us. Uh, I yeah. will say this: I prefer the image of the house as the house instead of the cat. Yeah. I think yeah. that initial illustration he made is mm-hmm. 
way better than the sort of screaming cat illustration in terms of like conveying the movie uh, in a way that I like. I like the cartooniness of it combined with the horror of it. I think like yeah, that conveys the movie so intensely right. that I was like, well, that's actually perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it is. Uh, it's also really great that he titled the titled it House to begin with. Like we get right. Hazu as as the the Japanese. But yeah, I mean, it's just the Japanese loan word, word it, for house yeah. instead of like but he really, the real word for house in Japanese. Yeah, he, it's, yeah. But he really just called it house because he thought, why not? <laughs> was what he right. says. Well, yeah, it's fascinating, right? Because he's he's airing yeah. into a world of like, okay, well, I'm going to use this loan word that like is known. Like everybody knows what this means, but yeah. like is not the word. Like And like his description of like, well, that's just not done, which, yeah, like even like, at this time, in my experience, and this this comes in waves, but like in my experience, Japanese film, American films, and like Western films that come to Japan in this time are almost always retitled into Japanese right. names. They don't right. nowadays in the modern modern now. Typically, they will uh, more at least fifty percent of the time just keep a a perfect like the name, but just redone in sort of the characters that you would use for foreign words, sometimes making just the most ridiculously long titles you'll ever imagine. Um, but like that wasn't done at the time in my memory that any, and we've never seen one that I can remember that happening with. So, so it would have been wholly unique. It would have been the only time that anybody had ever seen like that done at the theater. It would have been really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, uh, it is really interesting. Uh, just the film in general. Yeah. Uh, so very, very happy to have seen it. Next week, we'll be watching Darjeeling Limited. Look forward to that. Uh, look forward to uh, hopefully a special guest there so that uh, I can balance against Pat's hatred for Wes Anderson. And we'll, I uh, don't. We'll see how it goes. Okay. No, Donovan hates Wes Anderson. <laughs> I just right, have right. no desire to watch Wes Anderson right, films. Right. Yes. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Anyway, thank you so much. This week we've been talking about House from 1977, directed by Nobuhiko Obayashi. Next week it is Darjeeling Limited, directed by Wes Anderson. Thank you so much for listening to Lost in Criterion. I'm, as always, the Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oyatari Dorgan. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. been lost in criterion hosted by me adam glass find me on twitter at the adam glass my co-host is john patrick overtory dorgan you can find him on twitter at j patrick dorgan big thanks to jonathan hate for our theme song 
Check him out at jonathanhape.bandcamp.com or hear more from him on any streaming service. Also, thanks to all our Patreon supporters, iTunes reviewers, and Redbubble customers. And hey, thank you for listening.